Welcome to the One Signal Podcast, where we aim to educate listeners on product, industry, and best practices to build a great customer messaging practice. This is your host, Josh Wetzel. We've got a great guest today for you, e-com expert and podcaster, Kunli Campbell, to discuss best practices for user retention, loyalty, and growth. Kunli has an e-commerce digital marketing background, consulting for many businesses, launching e-commerce and certain e-commerce focused podcast way back in 2014, which is the early, early days, in my opinion, of of podcasting. So we appreciate you joining us today. Welcome to the podcast, Kun Lee. Thank you so much, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so, you know, I actually, I could have teed that off when I was introducing you, but I'm, I'm curious, like you started the podcast back in 14. Yeah. What was the driver? Um, I was just trying to figure out e-commerce. I came from a very broad digital marketing background. It was more lead generation and search. So I, back in 2000 and 2004, 2005, I worked in the real estate industry, it was international real estate. And I was a digital marketer for quite a reputable firm um, here in Oxford. And yeah, um, we won awards, we built websites, we generated leads. And by 2009, I went on my own and there were still my clients. And by 2011-ish, I started to get more clients and, you know, started to broaden the spectrum. And I, I remember running a, a seminar, it was an in-person seminar. I used a side business school in, in the University of Oxford. There was lots of people who came in. It was a paid event. And I just realized that the participants, the businesses that gravitated towards my message, you know, around search and at the time, around search and digital marketing were e-commerce businesses. And the penny just dropped. I was like, okay, I'm going to start to focus on this cohort. And it was not until 2013, I had winded myself off all the whole lead gen, you know, that lead generation um, sector. And then I started to focus wholly in e-commerce. Now, my first e-commerce client was search. We Year on year, we grew about 20%. They were already like a, a 10 million plus. Um, they're, they're doing well over 10 million pounds in, in revenue. And um, we grew about 20% and they were not very happy. And I was like, there have to be many other facets to this. I, I, so I, I thought, okay, I need to sort of broaden my scope in what um, growth is in e-commerce and um, I used to listen to podcasts, you know, at the time. But I used to listen to more general podcasts, podcasts and tech, you know, Mixergy, entrepreneurial, you know, podcasts and a few e-commerce podcasts. And um, I thought, okay, what better way? Because one of the podcasts I was listening to, which is generally business, said the way he got into what he was doing was to just interview people in podcasts and that just grew his network. So I thought, okay, let me try, you know, that in 2014. And that's how to actually commerce started. I started to interview just old contacts. And then that segued into just more interesting guests. So if I wanted to learn about like conversion rate optimization, I'll just, you know, look for who's, who's the number one expert in CR. Oh, it's Pep Liar. Let me go and <laughs> let me reach out to him. Is he, and if he says yes, I come in. And then I remember I did that exactly that. He came onto the show. And um, in two months from there, I was in Estonia for a conference, you know, and I met more people, got more interviews, you know, and, and it's amazing. It's an amazing way to meet people and to learn, essentially. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and you've done 263 episodes, which is really <laughs> impressive. So across that time, I mean, you've talked to a lot of experts. You've been exposed to a ton of different like, facets of e-commerce and facets of just digital marketing in general. 
When you think about that in terms of retention, engagement, loyalty, mm-hmm. what are the most strategic pillars that an e-commerce business needs to be thinking about? Right now, personalization is a core, but let's go to the basics. I think things do go wrong. Things will go wrong. And being genuinely helpful will be one in terms of like for loyalty. So if your customers are rest assured, they have a state of mind that if anything happens, they will be taken care of. I think that's one emotion. That safety emotion is something you really want to, security and safety is something you really need to sort of communicate and actually act on. So if you think about Amazon, um, I'm so confident to going to Amazon if anything happens. I, I know I will be taken care of as a customer, yeah. whether it's free returns or you know whether it's a very responsive customer service team, apologetic, overly apologetic. Yep. You know, they're there to help, right? It's part of the happiness principle too of the exactly. Zappos team. Yeah, Exactly. So I think that at its core is what the ethos should be. And then frequency of communication. So you need to be, you know, subject to just going against the grain with, you know, what some people say where, you know, people say you're spamming. I think you should have frequent communication, you know, line of communication, effective communication with your customers. And this is where personalization comes because if you can segment your customers based on um, whether they're VIPs, based on repeat purchases, based on the RFM analysis, which is recency, um, how recently they, they came to purchase, how frequently they've purchased and how much they've spent with you, you can actually design lots of communication flows that would make you relevant to them and make you top of mind. It all depends on what you're selling, essentially your product, you know, your product line. But yeah, frequency and communication, you know, linked to personalization is hugely important. Having a loyalty program is also important to rewarding, even if it's not explicit in your line of communication, ensuring that you reward people who patronize you more will be good. And then not looking at communication only from an email perspective, because people now with phones communicate in varying ways, whether it's WhatsApp, as in it's, it's crazy, as in I, I mean, I'm aware of a fast growing like Shopify app that just do WhatsApp flows, whether it's WhatsApp, whether it's SMS, whether it's email, whether it's notifications, or whether it's Messenger, for instance, um, just understanding that you have a spectrum now of even phone numbers, normal phones, you have a spectrum of, of channels to utilize and maximize will do you do you really well. Once you understand that, you probably want to master one and then start to take steps in all the others. And then finally, flows for emails. You should have standard flows um, for loyalty. Standard flows you should have in e-commerce, um, abandoned carts, welcome series for first time. You know, when you onboard a new client, um, you know, have a series of really helpful emails that educate them on who you are, why you do what you do, what you do, how you do it. Then browse abandonment emails and also post-purchase flows, you know, so when they've purchased, you know, how else can you be helpful? It doesn't necessarily need to be 100% transactional, but just being there and helpful. I was um, the founder of a direct-to-consumer business and he was telling me about how they use SMS to just check on their customers. It feels weird that a brand would just say, Hey, uh, I was just checking, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, especially over the pandemic, 
So they, they, they were reaching out, you know, to, to their customers, just asking how they're doing totally zero with zero expectations, you know, and some of the, their customers actually replied to them saying, I'm doing fine or I'm not really coping. And I don't know how far they took the conversations, but it's, it's really being there, being omnipresent in a not so weird kind of way. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Actually, so we, and we talked a little bit about this. We met on your podcast actually a couple of weeks back. Yes. But there, we've seen some really good examples with customers where they're introducing, moving some of those email flows into push or into SMS. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I think if it's like abandoned cart, it's so much more real time to be able to hit them up within the phone or within your browser. Shipping is like really omnipresent. And then the thing you actually really brought up home is uh, there's one example that I, I was privy to where they use notifications as a, hey, I hope you're doing well during this time. Like, like recognizing that we're yeah. in this incredible yeah. lockdown period and not to drive engagement or anything. And the feedback was incredible. They had like a ton of customer support people being, thank you for reaching out engagement, they saw a spike in sales, even though that was not the intent. So I think you're, that you're onto something there too, the, the empathy. People really yeah. needed that even more during COVID, yeah. uh, or we still do, given we're still in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's a golden window for relatively mid-sized companies to tap into because for Amazon to do it, for the likes of Amazon to do it, it would just be weird. And yeah, you can really build a personal relationship with customers there was a, another case at the start of the pandemic of you know um, the owner of a direct consumer brand reaching out and he's just honest. He's like, "Look, um, if we're not patronized, we might have to shut down these operations. We're not begging you for anything, but this is the situation. Um, this is how we serve you. This is why we do what we do." And the response was just love, as in they supported the business and he had, you know, sufficient cash flow to take the business through for the next six months, you know, based on that plea. And I don't think he'd have just done that on just off the back of one means of communicating. Behind that, there might have been other, you know, much more forms. empathetic, you know, uh, messages that have come through and he'd have built that relationship with them because you're trying to, at the end of the day, it's an audience. There are people in an audience. And that's what really matters, you know, understanding that, look, I own, I need to get the attention of this audience. Uh, I need to earn the attention of this audience and retain it, you know, and the, the message is important. And then, you know, you, you figure out the channels. Yep. That's well said. So you actually already answered one of those questions that I was going to have. But I, when you think about the channels, we've, and we talked about, uh, there's even direct mail, which we found yeah, to be, and exactly. I've, I've used that in the previous uh, world. Obviously, email is kind of tried and true. Everyone should be using email. And then you've got these emerging channels. And I think that the primary ones are SMS and push because we're becoming so phone dominant. Mm -hmm. And these are primary channels within the phone. And then you've also got stuff like in-app, you know, pop-ups, things like that. How do you think about prioritization? And let, maybe we throw email to the side since everyone should be doing that. But how do you prioritize SMS, push, and then these sort of secondary one-off channels that would be like an in-app or a direct mail? I take them like salt, use sparingly. Yep. You need salt in, in your food, but you're not going to just throw it all, all in. So people expect their emails to be flooded, but they don't expect to be bombarded with notifications and just turn it off. So use it very, very sparingly. So with push notifications, think about it like, you know when Apple 
have this because this happened to me in California. Last time I visited, there was like an SOS. It never happened to me in the UK. It was my phone. And my phone just stopped and the whole screen was like, there's a potential storm or something. I can't quite remember what it was, but it was like something meant to be serious. And then my phone was just totally yeah. taken off with some message from, from the authorities. That's notifications for you. You know, use notifications as a channel for major announcements. So that could be a Black Friday event. That could be a major sale. That could be a restock or a replenish. You know, if it's, you know, linked up to segment. Right. So if you have a segment of people waiting for a drop for a particular product or pre-sale, then you could use the notifications more like a, an announcement. It's like a notice board. For SMS, Alex Bella from Postscript was like use a five to one formula where it's like one transactional where it's like buy now. Yep. And then the, the remaining five are would be non-transactional, you know, the utility in his in his words. And by utility, there could be shipping updates, stock replenishment, just announcements or, you know, just checking on them, just non-transactional stuff, non-salesy stuff. Don't sell. For every five non-sales email, you it's like a jab, jab, right hook, you know. So you take that, you know, Gary Vee approach where you you're helpful five times and then that earns you one way to try and get a sale, you know, off the back of it. The other way to use SMS quite sophisticatedly, especially with um, platforms that have both utility for email and SMS is you could create a flow where that's if you have both records, that's um, SMS and um, email of a particular record of a particular customer. Yep. Let's say they didn't react to a certain email. They haven't opened the email or clicked in the email. Then that could trigger an SMS saying, did you, did you get our email? If you didn't, here's a link to the email. Yep. Right. The mothership is email. Yep. So you could use SMS to support it. Remember SMS is so intimate, but you know, people, some people wait till the end of the day to check their personal email or they, you know, they can go days without checking their, their personal emails, you know, yep. or some people check their work emails, you know, at particular times, you know, of the day because they have work to do. So use emails, you, you know, email is the core, but, you know, other channels can support email. Yeah, that's my answer. No, that's a good one. I like the five to one model too, because I, I think you're, we see push and SMS very similarly, like they're very similar categories. Users don't expect them to be flooded. And in fact, push is very interesting for consumers and that they do truly control opt-in and opt-out. If you opt out, you no longer consent. I think the challenge with SMS is it's slowly becoming like, email where you can say stop, but there's a provisioning of different numbers. And you seem to like, at least in the US, we're starting to see a lot more spam in that channel. And to your point, if you're a brand that wants to retain a long-term relationship with a customer and build that trust and that safety, you can't spam users, right? No. So you need to use that channel sparingly. But the point I was going to make is I think those channels are very much more present. They're more mm. real-time. So you have to be very careful. You can't you can't send every message there and expect consistency. Otherwise, you're going to start seeing opt-out and people opting out, not just of receiving your messages, but opting out of buying products from your, exactly. from your service, right? They're, they're not yeah. going to patronage, patronage <laughs> your business. So, so I, I, we're kind of running up on time, but I'd love to understand, like, if you had a crystal ball, right. given everything you've, you've looked at, 
how does the customer journey evolve? You know, we're moving from like when you started this podcast in 2014, the 2X uh, e-commerce you know, we were very much in the mobile swing, yeah. but the vast majority of e-commerce was happening in a website, yeah. right? You'd go to a website, you'd buy, there's exceptions to that rule, but basically that was still yeah. the case. And it's still generally the case, the lion's share of dollars still happen on a website. Yeah. But how does it, like, if you look out five years, 10 years, what do you see that journey changing? Just high level, this could be like as outlandish as, as you can imagine, or, you know, whatever. What's your perspective? Well, so the future, <laughs> that's a big one, right? So right now, most commerce is on mobile web. With 5G, I, I see more apps coming per se, as in I, there might be like a, I think a platform, it might be Messenger, it might be WhatsApp, will be very heavy, will be a sub iOS, you know, where you have WeChat being this sub iOS and it's ubiquitous in, in a way because you don't need iOS, or you don't need to be in an iOS or an Android. I think it's going to live, a lot of commerce is going to live in some ecosystem and like augmented reality is going to be a thing on our phones. I think we're going to be able to, have you seen the Amazon Prime series called um, down, um, Upload? I've seen one of the, yes. Um, so yeah. in Upload, they have phones, they have phones that are like that. Um, they, they pretty much don't carry phones. They just come out of their hands. Yeah. But I also think there's a massive opportunity in a sub ecosystem. It could be a messenger. It'd be it'd be something like WeChat. I think the Chinese are well ahead of the curve. You know, there with WeChat. So WeChat is for those who who don't know, it's similar to WhatsApp, but on WeChat you could you know book a hotel, travel. You could buy a sandwich. You could order an Uber. You could do everything within WeChat. I think we're ready, you know, for an ecosystem like that. Um, Messenger has been trying to make strides, but no one's really, our behaviors are not really, really um, adapting to it. Yeah. But I think AR and VR, I'm not sure about VR, but AR is something that's coming really soon in the next, you know, five years, three, five years. Um, it really mature. And our phones would be a lot more with support, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the commerce experience will change. I also think, Retail would revive in you know a certain way. Um, I think it would be commerce, not just e-commerce. Just around, there'll be much more direct to consumer selling. Nike, not um, wanting to, um, they reduced their so the pandemic. They've reduced um, the number of orders they send over to retailers, and they're doing they're focusing a lot on direct to consumer. So I think, you know, the way brands, the way really big brands have um, gone direct to consumer on the high streets and, you know, in stores, there's going to be a lot more omni-channel commerce with what they're doing, you know, both in the front end and the back end. So customer records will be a lot more consolidated. So if I ever purchased from Nike's website, anytime I go to, this is happening, but it's not very perfect. Anytime I go to a Nike store, I would be recognized as Kunle and um, that record, that order record will will just be there. And they'd also be able to see all of my interactions on their website, my entire customer journey, whether I interacted with the push notification, whether I responded to an SMS, it'd be a single record essentially. And um, those records would also include my visits to their stores. I think Apple already does this, yeah. by the way. 
I would agree. I like the call on augmented reality. I think that's happening fast. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think the, the journey, the data part of the journey, I think you're right on. And I'm, I'll be curious to see like whether it's the chat or some voice-enabled thing that really take the experience next. So you've got the augmented reality so you can engage with a product. Yeah. I still for, truly believe in the physical experience, You know, going in and touching an Apple product before I buy it or going and touching a Nike or an Adidas or an Allbirds yeah. or whatever it may be. So, well, thank you, Kunli, for joining the podcast. I really gosh, appreciate gosh. it. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Likewise. And I, I wish you have an awesome Friday evening. So thank you very much for joining us and uh, have an awesome weekend and uh, take care. Well, that was awesome having Kunli on. Um, if you uh, liked what you heard and enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the One Signal podcast at your preferred podcast directory, Shopify, Apple, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, and just about every other service out there, you can find the, the One Signal podcast. So if you're looking for a great customer engagement software used by 1 million people, uh, companies across the globe, try One Signal for free today. In the meantime, have a great day. Take care. Bye.